Welcome to the Hotel News Now Podcast Network. In this latest episode of the Next Gen and Lodging Podcast, hosts Davon Reeves, Omari Head, and Chris Henry bid farewell to 2023 and reflect on the groundbreaking trends, disruptions, and advancements that have shaped the lodging industry. You can find this and other HN podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Next Gen in Lodging podcast. My name is Davon Rees. I am one of the co-founders and co-hosts of the Next Gen in Lodging podcast. And I'm also the CEO and founder of Vester, which is a commercial real estate crowdfunding platform where you can raise capital or invest in hotels. And I'm also a co-owner of three hotels across two different states. Hey, good afternoon. This is Omari Head, founder of the National Institute of Lodging Education, and excited to be here with Devon, and I'll hand it over to Chris. And I'm Chris Henry, CEO of Majestic Hospitality Group and the other co-founder, third co-founder of the group here, and uh, we're excited to be back for our next podcast. Yes, thank you all so much for tuning in with us this year. This year, it's just going to be the three of us. And we are going to talk about how 2023, how it treated us, how it treated the hospitality industry, and what to expect in 2024, and maybe a little sneak peek of what we think may actually even happen in 2025 when it comes to the hospitality industry. So I'm going to kick it off to Omari. Kick it off to Omari. I would love to hear your thoughts, especially by you being a, a hotel broker. I would love to hear your thoughts as far as how the industry was as far as transactional wise, you know, coming post COVID, you know, what are some ups and downs? Like how was 2023 from a, from a hotel transactional uh, volume to your point into the, the, the industry as a whole, if you know? Yeah, no, no, great. Uh, so industry as a whole, uh, overall, people will tell you that it was significantly slower than last year, personally. And, and for our firm, it was up. So it was up and that was mainly driven by some by some portfolio activity. Now, a big piece of that is why. So is a little bit of uncertainty, obviously, some economic concerns, concerns around labor, uh, and then specifically, the one thing that we can't avoid that's been across the news cycle has been interest rates. The other thing that's been very impactful to transactions has been insurance. So a lot of people haven't been talking about that. It's starting to come up a little bit more. But across all asset classes, it is. Uh, it was. It was an article that I read that said that it was up 18% across all commercial asset classes. And you can argue that with hotels, with it being an operating business on real estate and likely in a franchise model, that yields itself to being uh, a little, a little bit higher than that than that average. Uh, and a piece of that is just construction costs have gone up. So you can imagine replacement costs have gone up. It costs more to build these assets, and thus ultimately, the the um, the insurance will catch up. So just kind of some quick sites on what's been happening in the transaction market. Nice, nice. Now, Chris, now you are, you, you're. I was, I'm on the development side, so I got a whole different perspective. I know. I was 
about to get to it. Not only on the development side, but you bring a unique perspective. You're actually on the international side, right? Yeah. So, so I would love to hear your thoughts and your experience on the development world as well as the international world when it came to hotels this past year in 2023. Yeah. So, you know, for on the development side and also being a resident of California, it was, I think, a little more... Uh, brutal and cutthroat, you know, over here, there's not a lot of transaction, there's not a lot of new development, um, a number of uh, policies being promoted by city councils, specifically LA and San Francisco, um, have really taken its toll on investor confidence here, um, to the point that we're not even, even though we're local, we're not even pursuing projects within within California. Um, so that was obviously hard on, on our business this year. Um, and then, you know, as Omari uh, mentioned, you know, interest rates um, for our other domestic projects, interest rates was obviously a big uh, sort of torpedo that came along. Um, a necessary torpedo just to stabilize, obviously, the, the market and inflation, but it's really put a, a, a damper on being able to finance projects and, you know, it's a double-edged sword in, in reality because, you know, for the past, a little over the past decade, we've had near 0% interest rates, which is unrealistic and obviously is in, in the long term unhealthy to stay that low that long. So in reality, raising rates is sort of a return to normal. Um, it's just a normal we all forgot about. So there's certainly a lot of um, adjustments uh, mentally as well as uh, financially that need to go on. But um, I don't think that rates will go up any further. So that's a good thing. Um, but it certainly took, took a, took a huge swipe at our, at our development business. Um, internationally, that's actually what's kept us, you know, afloat through this, um, through this uh, uh, period. And, with that being said, mostly active in Central America and in Europe uh, right now, specifically Italy. For us, Asia was our biggest market prior to the pandemic, and that's slowly heating up again for us. But um, you know, with with the number of global affairs going on at the moment, um, even that still is is slower than we would like. But things are things are moving. Um, I think twenty twenty four. Hopefully, we'll turn a new page and we can, uh, you know, get moving again. Okay, 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 okay. Now, what do you think as far as Omari twenty twenty four get moving again? I know interest rates. I actually just did a survey on my LinkedIn page and asked about different things on what impacted the industry, right? And I forgot to put interest rates and somebody commented and put interest rates have definitely impacted a lot of the transactions. And I think both of you actually alluded to that. Do you see that impacting the transaction volume in 2024 and leading into 2025, Omar? Absolutely, just not as much. And and to what Chris was saying is that we're starting, it's been socialized uh, throughout 2023 that kind of this is the new normal. I believe that 2024, specifically Q1, Q2, more so in Q2, is just going to just become the new normal. 
and what we've seen is that there's still transactions happening today. There were still transactions happening this year. Like I said, this year was one of my busiest years in, in terms in terms of deal volume. Um, it felt like, again, I was portfolio-based, but I, I tend to do a lot of portfolio-based work. At the end of the day, there are some deals that still pencil. And, it, and it's still a fundamental of if it pencils or if it does not. And and the interest rate is there. It's another um, it's another lever that you have to look at pulling and seeing if that makes sense. Um, or some people are saying, you know, I'm I'm going to approach this from a, from a different method. But I think the next year people will have gotten comfortable with this new normal. Uh, and then now a lot of people folks say that that's going to have some impact on pricing. And the answer is maybe maybe not. I think it depends on the asset class. I think it depends on the disposition method. Um, but if we're talking about traditional methods, I, I think that there is absolutely going to be some some impact there, uh, depending on the asset class. If you're talking about in a more competitive process, it, you may you may see it actually wash out um, where buyers get aggressive and they want to be there in that location and they have capital to deploy. And this is the new normal. It's the days of whatever they were underwriting to from a cash on cash. They just understand that this is the new normal. And my cash on cash has to look like this moving forward. So I believe that 2024, we're just going to get a lot more comfortable uh, with with what this new normal looks like and and lean into it and say, well, we can't sit on the sidelines forever um, because and just hope and pray for interest rates to come down. We we have to move forward, assuming that this is the new norm. And I think we've got two other interesting factors and, and Amari, I'm curious on your thoughts. Two other factors I think coming in for at least for 2024 is obviously one is the election, um, which it always ends up having more ramifications for domestic and international policy than people realize. But then also, um, you know, with, with the sort of office market teetering on the brink of collapse in some locations, you know what? Uh, what are those buildings will end up being converted to a to a hotel? Um, I think that that those are two things we don't know yet, but I think will definitely come up over the next twelve months. And I'm glad you brought that up from from the policy standpoint, Chris. Like you alluded to being in in California and what that means from the policies, and now we're talking about stuff um, and leadership from the federal level. Uh, you know, and what that could look like. And I think that because it's an election year, there's going to be a lot of bones to get thrown out there uh, to try to stimulate the voter base and try to show all communities that that you're in it with them and and that you're you're really um, engaged and, and that you feel their pain. And I, I think that there'll be some interesting things that will get uh, pulled out of hats here, probably Q3, Q4s as we get closer to elections as folks to kind of just play on that short-term memory uh, when it comes down to the what have you done for me lately they really want to be able to point and say this or that um, and and have those type of incentives and and uh, economic stimulus lined up and then devon we need to ask a question of you what have you been seeing um since you're doing crowdsourcing crowdfunding and these other new platforms um how are with everything that's going on this year in the market, how's the uptake been on on the digital fundraising side? People are definitely starting to look more at it, more looking at retail investors. And for those who don't know what retail investors are, are your non-institutional non 
you know, players, right? And so looking at more of the individual. So crowdfunding is definitely something that folks are looking at when it comes to their financing options, especially creative financing with the interest rates being so high and, you know, financing options being harder to get even for seasoned investors or seasoned hoteliers. So that's what I'm starting to see. And it's been that way. And I definitely see that more and more in 2023 of folks coming up with creative ways of, of getting equity and, and getting debt, uh, not only is because of interest rates, because of just the tighter, you know, tighter lending pools. And, and of course, the transaction volume kind of slowed down a little bit, but of course, it's going to come back in 2024. And so that's what I'm, that's what I've been seeing. And I'm seeing more and more. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I have, uh, I got into the world of, of crowdfunding and uh, in, in, in the private equity world. But thank you for asking. I was going to jump in, but you beat me to it, Chris. See, teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work here. So one other one for you, because I just learned about it yesterday. There's a, a new company uh, that's being co that was co-founded by a former hotel um, development professional who's going after tokenization of Airbnbs with, I think, investments starting at like $1,000. Do you think something like that sustainable um, or will have a real big impact on the market? You know what? It's a possibility, that, but that's more so on the issuer or the sponsor and their aptitude or their capacity to handle the volume. You know, typically in the Airbnb, that's still kind of residential unless they have a lot of different, you know, Airbnb units or short-term rental units and they convert it into a portfolio. The, it's not as much as a hotel, right? And so what I've been running to is the investors or, and I want to say not what I've been running to, but typically a lot of investors or excuse me, not a lot of, of sponsors of deals, they rather deal with a smaller amount of investors. So typically the, the minimum to invest in deals are a lot higher or they deal with the people that they, they typically work with or they deal with institutional investors that'll cover you know, over 50% of the, 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 the limited partnership, you know, uh, or become solid investors. And so it's a possibility, but I see it more so on smaller deals. I see it more so on, when I mean smaller deals, like, you know, a couple million dollars or less of, you know, maybe $5 million or less, probably that's probably even too high because just dealing with the investors, you know, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, just handling that volume and the capacity. I could definitely see that for more boutique hotels or there are some hotels that are changing how they approach um, or their their strategy when it comes to, to to building new brands. So I can see those, those type of brands that are entering the market, those non-traditional brands that they are, they, they may tap into it because it's a creative financing strategy. But as far as folks who are, you know, been in the space for a while and who are slow to adapt, I don't see a strong possibility, but I'm not going to say no, right? Because we, we, we should have learned when we say, no, this isn't going to happen. A disruptor comes in and, and take over. I will say it could be a little harder from like a, a to getting it regulated because it's still a lot of, you know, crypto and tokenization, a lot of that stuff still hasn't been totally regulated yet. 
So in some investors, they don't they don't invest into certain things unless it's it's under unless it's within compliance. So that will probably be the biggest thing that um, or if it's regulated, that will halt them to actually use that to obtain capital or finance for their projects. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a brave new world for uh, for digital finance, um, and I think a lot more to come. Um, Omari, on on your front, what kind of you know in twenty twenty three and what you're seeing out into twenty twenty four, what kind of assets within the hotel space are you seeing transactions taking place, and what do you think is going to start popping up in the new year? Yeah, great question. So. In 2023, uh, just personally, it was a lot of portfolio work, predominantly in the extended stay sector. So, it, and that was and that was a great time to be unwinding that ex that that uh, type of product. And a lot of that has to do with we were all reading the same headlines during COVID about the resiliency of that sector. So high demand for there. If you look at where the brown the brands the franchisor started announcing new brands. There was a lot of focus on extended stay, specifically economy extended stay, um, and then you know kind of some new uh, mid scale or upper mid scale brands that got announced as well on the extended stay sector. I'm I'm interested to see 2024 what happens in the development pipeline and construction costs being high, and although ADR and Revpar continue to grow, um, I just does do the economics now make sense? for people to go shovels back to dirt. Um, in some markets, I imagine so. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, and then the other thing is the rise of the of conversions. So the brands have come to the conclusion that they're gonna see growth through conversion. So what does that mean? You've seen a number of conversion brands announced, specifically in the premium economy sector. That's gonna be fascinating to watch what that does to markets. Uh, as, as you know, brands like Spark and Garner continue to grow legs, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some other ones uh, announced and and see what that does to these formerly uh, targeted to be more economical products that have started kind of overperforming, like Hamptons and Fairfields. Um, to, now, now that we have things that can sit below that, what does that look like um, in terms of market share and distribution? Uh, ultimately, you know, the, the overall value of existing sticks and bricks, like I talked about replacement costs, we talked about what that means for insurance, construction costs, and now that that flag that you may have had that wasn't available to tap into a more premium uh, global distribution system because of some of these premium economy flags, you'll see that now. So what does it look like as those things start to uh, convert and ultimately we start to get data? Right. The the first spark is open. So what does that look like from a year over year on their rev par? I mean, it, it opened up in a phenomenal market. But what is it? What does it look like from year over year data as we start to get that first T12 um, and ultimately more and more developers are signing up to do these conversions? Um, that is that is what I'm keeping an eye on. And then obviously, what does this mean from valuation standpoint in terms of with with the news kind of swimming around here with some of this M&A activity? So should some of this come to fruition, uh, what does that mean ultimately for hotel performance as, as you start thinking about cannibalization, some of these exits um, and some of these secondary and tertiary markets may have two of one of, of one brand and one of another, but now they become the same franchisor, 
What does that look like in the economy space? We've seen what it looked like on the upper upscale, more premium side with the Marwood merger. Uh, everybody was concerned about that. And now we don't know it any other way. But fast forward, what what was that look like where brands have more exposure to the economy side? So uh, M&A as well as conversion are going to be the things that I'm watching the most and, and kind of some of the predictions that I think will continue to uh, have have a impact in other ancillary fashion. It's actually interesting that you mentioned uh, some of the digital platforms that are taking off in the hotel space and, and where they're going. I don't know if you saw the news this morning, um, but the Ace Hotel in downtown LA is closing and they're going with a digital hotel platform um, to replace it. So that was, I'm a little shocked and surprised, but um, you know, it's a, a, again, brave new world um, with owners going in different directions. Yeah. And you know, it, it's weird the first time you hear about it, but I, I look at the airline industry and how we just understand what revenue management means in the airline industry. We don't know that it's called that. And I mean, by the, the traditional passenger, but you know that if you log on and look at that ticket from DC to Miami, it could be $89 a day. You go back and look six hours later, it could be 289. You just accept that that's what it is. Um, you know, that dynamic pricing and and just having that educated consumer. Now you go to the airlines and there's a person to assist you with the kiosk, the hotel industry. So it, there's evidence there. And we're seeing QSR start to get more aggressive with, with rolling out technology. So there, there's um the evidence is there that if we start coaching people uh, and, and by people, I mean, our consumers, they can and will get there. Um, and, and, and it'll happen. So like you said, the, the more, the, the less labor focused component of, of the industry, I think that'll continue to be more and more. It didn't get rolled out as quickly as we thought it was, was going to happen in COVID, but COVID definitely prompted the discussions to happen a lot more frequently. And it wasn't just digital key. It was like, okay, well, let's explore the, these check-in kiosks. Let's um, let, let's look at some of these other hotels that are doing this where it's limited staffing and we just hope and pray that our, our consumer is tech savvy. And I think the perception is that the hotel guest is not as tech savvy as other, as other verticals, but I'm a believer that once we start to push and, and, and specifically just nudge that they'll get there and you'll start to see a lot more of that stuff deployed and it will become the norm where you may see um, a major franchisor there are look the franchisors are already playing a short-term rentals so for them to to dip into uh hotels and them being low to no staffed i don't think it's terribly out of pocket uh chris as somebody who focuses on development how have you seen the uh, what do you see for what did you see happen in 2023 and what do you start to see kind of on the horizon for 2024 from in terms of sustainability specifically from an environmental standpoint what 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 were some of the things that you saw become a lot more common this year and what's something that you think will just be a new standard practice in 2024 or 2025 so it's interesting so yeah so we actually have a, a partnership with a sort of a, a consulting firm that just does ESG and we've been collaborating on projects and it's been really interesting this year. Um, I think what's finally becoming a catalyst for folks to um, associate for existing properties to become environmentally friendly has just been because of 
inflation and the cost of utilities going up, or people are now quickly trying to figure out how to bring their utility costs back down. Um, so, you know, we're seeing um, people getting creative on how are they doing, you know, even basic things like solar panels. You know, we've, we were working with a group in New York who have got a prominent hotel there and they are, want to investigate replacing some of their windows in the building with, um, photovoltaic that are built in. So solar panels are just built into the windows because they don't have enough roof space to put solar panels on the roof of the building. Um, you know, they would rather make that investment and have it pay back over five, six years rather than continue to shell out for, for um, normal utilities. We're also starting to see more consciousness on, on water conservation. Um, I think, you know, with the droughts as the way they've been and communities really trying to figure out how to make their, their water resources last longer. Um, we're finding hotels on this front, new hotels being built, being much more environmentally conscious of, of their water infrastructure. But then with that being said, is that states, California and New York being two of them, um, are really starting to roll out green building codes and, those green building codes are mandating things that previously were only expected to be seen if you were a building going after a LEED certification, um, but that now municipalities and states are requiring that in all new development. Um, what's interesting for, for me as a developer who also works in foreign markets is that we're starting to see some of, of those codes, uh, environmental green building codes from the U.S. starting to pop up in other countries, especially uh, smaller countries who will tend to piggyback on what other markets are doing so that they don't have to develop their own codes. Um, we're starting to see those, those green building codes pop up in places. So I think overall people are just trying to adjust to a new normal. Um, you know, I've got friends and we, we as a company have two projects in Italy right now. Um, and if you guys remember last year when the war with Ukraine broke out, you know, Russia cut off gas supplies. Um, so people are getting very creative over there too with with how they're just getting energy and heat in general. Um, trying to come up with with uh, regenerative capture systems, trying to utilize um, you know better insulation when they do renovations to to make older buildings more um, sustainable. London in itself has a huge a huge uh, adjustment coming up because a lot what they're finding a lot of these Victorian and Edwardian homes um and in London some of these old homes have been turned into hotels they're incredibly environmentally unfriendly because they can't be sealed there's they're they're so drafty um that that it's it's very difficult to keep them insulated and warm during the winter which then leads to higher utilities, which then leads to also environmental greenhouse gases being emitted, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think we'll be hearing more and more on that. And I think the goal for a lot of folks is to try to get as close to as possible getting off the grid um, and being self-sufficient. And for our resort projects, uh, we're looking at one right now up in the Sierras here in California. Um, they want to be completely energy and water independent and off the grid. Um, which I think is doable in that area, but you go to a place like Hawaii where it's it's uh, more of a cartel with utilities, um, 
so far they've made it very difficult for people to get off, especially the Helco, the power company, um, to go anything alternative that doesn't have some kind of permit and fee paid to them. So I think it's changing, but people are, are certainly more aware of it to answer your your question. A long answer to a short question. No, no, no. It was it was thorough. Well, it, it, it sounded short, but it, it included both domestic and international and very few people could speak intelligently to that. So so I, I, as we come up here on on time, one thing and I want you all to think about successes for 2023 that you that you were proud that, that you had uh, just personally within the industry and something that you want to grow on with um, in 2023 or something that you saw that you were happy to see the industry advance on um, in 2023. So uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll start off about that in terms of successes. I'll say for the industry, I'll say I was really happy to see that some more brands have gotten uh, more, more intentional with putting together programming surrounding equity and inclusion with as it regards to hotel ownership. So again, we you know that's part of one one thing that Next Gen and Lodging is very passionate about is the equity inclusion piece, and it's not just because it's 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 the right thing to do. It's also because it's good business. So seeing them not just take an approach from the employee side of oh yeah we're we're recruiting at we're recruiting diverse candidates. It's like yeah, but what are we doing where the money is made uh, on the hotel ownership side? And to see more and more uh, franchisors kind of step up and say, hey, we'll, we'll take a swing at that. Now, a lot of those programs need to they're they're they, they need to kind of ripen and they need some growth or they need some human capital behind them to to really push it and build it out and, and make sure that folks are getting what they need. And that is not just just lip service. But one thing that I, I will say is that, you know, for the longest, no response has been the response when it comes time to that. And so a lot of people were kind of scared of doing it because you would get the feedback, but to see people moving away from the fear um, and, and kind of leaning into trying it and, and being open to retooling it as it moves along is great. Um, on the personal side within the industry, it's been good at working with some candidates. Uh, I specialize in, in consulting for first time hotel owners, specifically black, Latino, Latinx that are looking to move into that space and, and seeing the growth there and seeing people get very energized but also seeing people invest the time and the money to to learn the hotel industry, to not just become a hotel investor, but but a true hotelier. Um, and to see people grow within that journey has been incredibly rewarding and looking forward to more of that in 2023 in terms of watching the brands grow um, with, with their programming surrounding that. And then also to just watching that client list grow with, with folks and, and having those wins of watching them get their first, second, third hotel uh, the right way. So with that, kind of in terms of 2023 wins and success stories for yourself and or the industry, Dave Vaughn, what do you have to build on to that? You stole mine. So now I had to think of something else because that's one of my wins, <laughs> you know. But I am. I, I love that the brands are really starting to see that not that necessarily the world is changing because we've been here as far as the different diverse groups, but really paying attention now, okay, that we really need to create programs and initiatives to increase the percentage of minority hotel owners or 
or people of color, hotel owners, black, you know, Latino women, and so Native Americans. So, you know, um, so I, I am proud to say that, you know, IHG came up with their program, you know, Marriott has a program, Wyndham has a program, you know, Choice, they were the leaders and, and they was one of the first ones with their program. So I'm proud to see it. I'm Red proud. Roof announced theirs this and, year. and Red Roof, thank you. Red Roof announced theirs with their women's initiative. So I, I am proud to see that. I am proud personally because just the platform that I've been able to create that so many more Black people are having conversations about hotel ownership at the dinner table. And they people who have the funds, who can, because I think that was the issue was always, like, oh, well, you know, there's not money. Right. And I think that really wasn't the biggest issue. It was more so than access and the and Omar and I, you and I have talked about this plenty of times, that it was just more so the access and the knowledge. And so now these programs are are from the that are being designed by the brands are answering that, not only a capital issue, but as well as a knowledge and in in that support issue, right? Of what what we can do to support you. So that we not only can you become a hotel owner, but to become a successful and a profitable hotel owner. So that way you can build your portfolio. I am proud of that. And I'm proud and, and appreciative of the brands who supported me, you know, with, with this initiative to increase the percentage of, of, of black hotel owners and, and women hotel owners. So to see and to be a part of, of, folks who are in the process of closing on the hotel or developing the hotel and, and, and that that is actually happening to be a part of that is, is beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. And personally seeing students, you know, folks in college who, who want to either pursue a career in hospitality because they heard my story or, or they want to pursue, uh, they want to become a hotel owner, or become a hotel broker, or they want to get into asset management. So personally, I think that's a win for, for me and for Next Gen Lodging, because that's one of the reasons why we created this, right? You know, we, I know that I was fearful that what was really going to happen to the next generation in hospitality, because so many of you know, our colleagues that we grew up with, they were leaving, they were leaving the industry. And it's like, whoa, what's going to happen to it? Because, you know, I know there's a lot of AI and there's a lot of robots. The hospitality industry is still a service industry, right? So we still need people to run this industry. It's still a people business and we can't leave. We didn't really talk too much about talent today, but we can't forget about the talent because the talent is what makes the hotel industry thrive. Like we would not be having this conversation if it wasn't for the people who work tirelessly in our hotel, because hotels, they, they're 24 seven, right? We work in hotels, so we know it. And so just making sure that we do what we can to support and to, to have these conversations and to put program or help put programs in place so that way we can take care of the next generation of hospitality. So that way we can create future hotel owners of different colors. And so we can bring in different suppliers and vendors. So I definitely see the change uh, just from 2023 is definitely progressed. Uh, I'm excited to see where the future, you know, is going when it comes to the hospitality industry and how even the conferences, I'm just starting to see just as small as the conferences are starting to change. Right. You know, there are more and more people of color, 
you know, different attendees, usually it's the same conferences, the same people with the same conferences. And so even that is starting to change. So I just see that, you know, uh, the panels, is, the panels are slowly changing, putting, putting some folks on blast. But the, the thing is, is that, that we're starting to see the change and hospitality is really starting to, to become more diverse and, and just changing a group of, of thought leaders. So it's definitely encouraging and promising. And I'm looking forward to 2024 and looking forward to, you know, to many more years to come. I guess that leaves it on me to uh, that say, what, say what, uh, you know, I'm admiring the industry from the last year. And and I know you guys have, have uh, sort of set the bar really high there, but um I think the thing I'm actually going to say is as far as the industry goes is that I'm really excited to see that even post COVID it's continued to accelerate the interest and normalization of ecotourism. Um, people wanting to get out there, people wanting to experience the world, to see the world, um, sample what it has to offer. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of globalization um, that we shouldn't live and work in, in vacuums. And I think, you know, that was the blessing that COVID gave is it made, it made, uh, eco and adventure tourism normal. Um, so I'm glad to see that there are a ton of creative forward thinking, uh, groups out there who are not brand affiliated. Um, as you guys know, I'm, I'm the anti anti brand person on this uh, podcast. Um, that I like to see independence and boutiques. And I'm thrilled that that they're really growing in that that ecotourism space and that consumers are adopting it. So I think I think a lot I don't of good think brand sponsorships, point of clarification. Well, somebody's <laughs> got to cut, cut against the grain a little bit and poke. Them. <laughs> but um, no, I'm just thrilled to see how many really intriguing startups are out there and that people are um, thinking outside the box. Um, literally and figuratively. So I think that'll lead to more very cool things to come in the industry and keep it fresh and renewed. Um, and uh, I just, you know, the, the more new things we can get into this industry to keep it uh, alive and sort of sizzling and keeping people engaged, I think the better off we all do. Um, so yeah, I, my hope is for 2024, that trend continues to go and it continues to normalize. Um, because there's a lot of really cool places out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I just keep pushing my, my American friends to keep going out and seeing more and doing more. Um, so hopefully we can get some of these crises behind us, um, as a global community and, uh, continue that, that desire to, to come together and, and explore. So that, that's, uh, my look back on 2023 and my hope for the future of 2024. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, this has definitely been awesome. It's been a great 2023, putting out more content, looking forward to uh, working with Chris and, and Devon and bring you all more great subject matter experts, uh, fresh voices and, and fresh content in 2024. And happy holidays and a ha very, very happy new year. And Next Gen Login looks forward to connecting with you next year.
Hi, I'm Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Freitag, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, a hospitality data podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry's going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. This episode of the Next Gen and Lodging podcast on the Hotel News Now podcast network was recorded by hosts Amari Head, Davon Reeves, and Chris Henry on December 13th. It was edited by Robert McCune. Thanks for listening. You can find this and other H&N podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen.